Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party of NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th. Bring the whole family out to Talladega Super Speedway for the Kid VIP Experience. Kids 12 and under can choose from a number of great options behind the scenes, like guided garage tours, pre-race photo ops, and more. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 grunt-style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. Good evening from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Despain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen's right outside of Richmond, Richmond Raceway up there in the Commonwealth. And I'm about the way the crow flies. I'm eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. we got a big show scheduled tonight. Let's go ahead and bring on my good friend, official reverend of the show, pit, the tip, pit stop with Tim Despain and Stephen Wilson. That's my turn in California, Mr. Reverend Joe. Reverend, how you doing tonight, brother? Not too bad. Still giggling over watching you get dunked on Sunday. I figured you was going to bring that up, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was common. I was not nervous, but like you said, uh, I was a good bit taller than my pastor there, Tommy Strickland at Ridgeview Baptist Church. And whenever he went to dunk me back, Reverend, you know, he mentioned to, for me to bend my bend my knees and to hold on to his arm, and he was going to pull me back up. Well, when I went, whenever he slammed me back. Well, I shouldn't say slam, but whenever he went to dunk me to baptize me, my right foot come out from under me. And the first thing I thought of was my right hand reaching up, and I was reaching up trying to grab glass and everything. But, you know, Tommy come come right back after after he got me up there. He said, I ain't dropped one yet. Yep, I heard him say that. I'm glad, I was glad to see you get baptized. But as I told you before, when you told me you were getting baptized, the problem is I always believe in holding you under the water until you've been down long enough to get cured. And I think you need to hold you a little longer. Well, that's what one of our good friends, Amanda Thomas, mentioned about the the good Lord wasn't quite, quite ready for him to bring me up yet, so he kept me under another couple seconds. <laughs> yeah, I think you needed 10 minutes. Well, you know, Tommy did mention to uh, Suzanne about uh, – how much insurance money do you have on Tim, and how many bubbles would it cost me to leave him up <laughs> a little bit longer? Exactly. Tommy, there you go. <laughs> Tommy, don't don't drown me, brother. He's got to get some extra money out of her, so hold you down longer. Oh, well. 
That's right. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing, and it's a symbol of us dying like Christ did and coming back to life anew with our sins washed away. But I'm sure by today being Tuesday, you've already stacked up some more sins. Well, you know, too, Reverend, uh, you've uh, preached it. Uh, my pastor, Tommy Strickland, has preached it. Every preacher I've ever listened to has preached it. You're going to sin. That's the nature of human, of the human man. Exactly. And just like he mentioned, it all started with Adam and Eve. Yep, and we've been sinning ever since, nonstop. That's right. And all we do is ask for forgiveness and try not to sin again, bro. The good thing is the Lord sent his son to die for our sins. So if we believe in him, we have everlasting life. That's the only thing that matters. Amen, Reverend Joe. And it don't cost nothing to ask for forgiveness, brother. Ask for forgiveness. You know, he no. he forgives for whatever you do, and uh, you can't ask for nothing better. This is true. And, boy, the, the opposite is eternity and punishment, nonstop punishment. And I don't think people ever think about this, but we know when we die and we go to heaven, we get a new body that will live forever. But here's something to think of, think about that people don't think about. The people that go to hell actually get a stronger body than we do because they will live forever in eternal fire and damnation. And you're going to need a much stronger body to live through that. But you'll still, excuse me, you're going to feel every bit of it forever. Amen, brother. And I don't want, I'm, I'm not going to have a part of that. I'm going, I'm going the other, the other route. Yep, I agree. All right, let's get this party started and I'll get out of here. Uh, by the way, you should have had Spencer Boyd do an opening for the show saying the pit stop with Stephen Boyd. Had him do one for today for that and then another one for you. Yeah, I thought about that, Reverend, but I sort of caught uh, Spencer for that radio promo here at Talladega back in the spring, and I was catching him right ah. before he was going to the, to, the, to the driver's meeting, and uh, we had to do about two or three takes on it, but uh, I want to thank him for stopping and actually doing that. But, yeah, we uh, that was yeah, sort of a little quick. That dish. was great. A little, yeah, thank you, Reverend. Well, let's pray. We come before you and we thank you for another Tuesday that we are allowed to get out of bed and allowed to be in a country where we can have a radio program of any kind and talk about you and invite people to get saved. We ask your blessings upon all those racing this weekend, all those racing every weekend, and even during the week as many race. We ask you to bless us all, keep us all safe. Please watch over all of our troops and all of those that wear a uniform. All those who I always say are foolish enough to run toward the trouble while we're running away from it. But they got our backs. And just like you, they've got us covered. And we ask you, Lord, to please bless them, bless their families, bless our officials and and our government officials. Teach them to follow you and no one else, that we won't have a problem in this country with anything. And we thank you for all this. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Amen, Reverend Jeff.
Reverend Joe, as always, great invocation, and thank you for being a, our our number one, our only go-to reverend of the reverend of the pit style, Tim Spain, too, was. Reverend, before we let you jump out here, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. Our website is ontrackwithjesus.org. My email is ontrackwithjesus at AOL.com. And you can get me at Rev Joe Bubico on Facebook and somewhere or other on Twitter, but we'll figure it out one of these days. But uh, have a blessed phone number is 951-232-7630. And we thank you for all you do for us, Lord. Reverend Joe, thank you very much for everything you do for Stephen, Suzanne, and AM and I with the radio show and everything. Johnny on spot every Johnny on spot every week. We really do appreciate it. Tell Miss Betty we said hello and we'll talk to you next Tuesday, bro. All right, I will do. Take care, Reverend. You too. All right, brother. Official Reverend, there. Let's bring on a uh, by sidekick, uh, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com. Right outside of Richmond Raceway, uh, he made the trek westward this weekend to Bristol Motor Speedway, his first trek over there. And he covered everything for SpeedwayDigest.com, him and his wife, A.M. Let's bring on CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com, my good friend, Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Stephen Wilson, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm making it through, I guess. Yeah, I got your text. Uh, I know you having a little bit of back pain, but 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 we won't get into all that. Uh, before we get to talking about the main topic that you and I spoke about earlier, uh, like I said, you and AM made the trek over to the last great coliseum there, Bristol Motor Speedway. It's an awesome place to see, isn't it, brother? Suzanne and I have made that trek up there from Talladega probably seven or eight times. I hadn't been in the past few years because of my health stuff, my back surgeries and my hip replacement, hip replacement and, and all that. But, uh, Stephen, that is a place that everybody needs to put on their bucket list and go to one time, correct? Um, I, I lost you about halfway through. Something about you guys had gone one time or something? Yeah, uh, Suzanne and I, we've been, I think, seven times to the last great Coliseum there, Stephen, if you if you could hear me now. And you and AM made the trek westward over there this past weekend uh, for the night races there at Bristol Motor Speedway. That place is awesome. It's something to see. I think everybody needs to put that on their bucket list. Every race fan needs to go to Bristol Motor Speedway, if not for the spring race. The night race is awesome. I mean, there's nothing like it. Day race, night race, it don't matter what it is. That is some of the best short track racing that you'll ever see in, on on the earth. Yeah, um, being my first time out there, um, I was pretty much amazed at what I saw. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's, just, it's just a massive facility. Um, inside of a little tiny, you know, half-mile racetrack. Um, 
you know, you know, I I hadn't seen anything like that since going to like college football stadiums or something like that. Um, it's pretty comparable as far as that. I mean, just stands for as far as the eye can see. The skybox is ringing around the track, um, you know, and just loud, just so loud. Um, you know, I, I I've been to probably hundreds of races in my life. Um, and I have to say that was probably one of the loudest races that I had ever been to and experienced in my life. Um, Martinsville is loud because it's small and you sit right up on top of the racetrack, but there's, 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 the sound can dissipate from there. Um, Bristol, not so much. It just, it just runs around the track and just vibrates off of the grandstands there and just pretty much stays down inside of the grandstands. Um, there's really nowhere for this to go to, and it's just it's just loud. Um, but the racing that I saw there this past weekend, um, it was, I have to say, I think a lot of people are pretty much in agreement, this is not only the best race, so far in 2018, but um, one of the best races that we have seen at at, at Bristol in three to five years. I will definitely agree, Stephen. You know, we've uh, Bruton Smith on the bunch here at SMI. We've went through uh, grinding the track down back a few years back. Uh, all the fans were complaining, and I might don't mean that in a wrong way. They weren't complaining, and the fans was wanting better racing. Though. They wanted the old Bristol back, and when they ground down some of the stuff, some of the concrete that Bruton Smith and uh, and Hawk and all them done up there, it sort of put the sort of put the groove back on the bottom. Well, then they come in and done some more stuff, brought the groove back up to the top. Now they brought this PJ one in that has is a is a, a sort of like a resin type stuff to even like sort of like to put it in a fan's perspective it's sort of like a can of coca-cola you pour on the concrete it's sort of got a sticky feel to it like you and i and suzanne and am has walked through the uh the pit stalls there at martinsville speedway a few years back and you could feel your tennis shoes stick and go to that and like you mentioned uh they're just about the the old bristol track back like you mentioned, uh, there's there's nothing like it. It is it is loud, and uh, to quote my wife Suzanne, what she said her first trip to Bristol a few years back said, "Tim, it looks like a bunch of skittles are going around a toilet bowl whenever you flush it." That's about what it looks like. And if you ever lose the the leader, there's so much racing all around that track for, from uh, from first place to second, third, even all the way back into into the the twenties uh, and thirties, but there's so much racing around that last great Coliseum. It's just I can't explain how much a race fan needs to go and experience that. Back in the day, I'm using Chocolate Myers thing there. Uh, Thank Chuck. Back in the day, Bristol Motor Speedway racetrack ticket. It was harder to get than a Super Bowl ticket. You had to get on a waiting list, and my good friend Terry Ho got on that waiting list. And we got to go back when the stands was packed, Stephen. The parking was packed. 
and it was just something to see. I've got pictures. If I can dig in and find them, I will send them to you. But I can't – TV doesn't know justice. You have to be there. Like you said, it is so loud. Even with you sitting in the press queue and AM dead covering everything, Air Force Speedway Digest, it is even loud inside the press box. And there is just – there's like you mentioned, there's no place for this noise to actually dissipate out of like it is at Martinsville. And Richmond, you know, it's sort of open. But with that, like I said, the last great Coliseum, everything is packed in there. And it is – you've got to have some earplugs. You've got to have your scanner headset with you to sort of keep some of that sound down, Stephen. But, I mean, it's, it's just unreal. It, it, yeah, I mean, it is. And it's just absolutely unreal to be able to see – what actually goes on there? And I, and you know, you're you're talking about how much the, um, you know, these cars are going around the track and how fast they're moving around the track. You know, they're turning laps in 15 seconds or something like that around the 15 twos, 15 threes, um, and the amount of racing that's occurring all around the track, and it's incre- it's it's happening in such quick succession that it's easy to become, you know, very disoriented in what you're watching and where you're watching it because you you can be following a leader or, you know, following the lead and the next thing you know, they're on top of six cars and then you blink one second and the leader is, you know, four or five seconds ahead of, of where they were and you're disoriented because you're still trying to find the leader around the track. Um, it was different than Martinsville, I have to say. I've been to Martinsville dozens and dozens of times, and um, you can see a lot. There's longer straightaways there, um, so it gives you more time to actually focus in on what's going on sometimes. But just the this, the quick succession that these that the races are happening there is just incredible. And I remember the days of Bristol when. You know, they had 60-some sellouts or whatever the number was. Richmond was right along, following right along with 50-some. And, you know, Richmond in the late 90s and early 2000s, they continued to to add seats into there. And I remember when 125, 130,000 people would pack those stands and you were on a 10-year waiting list. And, you know, it was just nearly impossible to get a race ticket to go to you know, go to Richmond and, um, you know, it would take you four hours to get out of a parking lot, you know, up in Richmond. Um, you know, unfortunately that's not the case anymore, but I have to say that the, I, I would conservatively put between about 80 and 85,000 people are in the grandstands and that's a really good race day now to put those, that many people in a race in, in a facility. And unfortunately, you know, with Bristol being a hundred and Fifty-seven hundred fifty-seven, fifty-nine thousand or so seats. You know, eighty-five, nine thousand people make it look empty, but it actually wasn't empty. It was it pretty packed in from various different areas around the track, and I thought it was a good experience to go there. I thought it was good to see something new, and you know, um, I I like short tracks and I like super speedways, and the fans are right. We need more short tracks, unfortunately. We we have to do something about this. I know NASCAR is locked in until 2020, 
before they can really do anything after the 2020 season. But it, they have got to do something. They need to do something. Uh, the fans are right in this one. A lot of times we talk about the things that fans are, you know, they like, they want, they want to see, but, you know, then they don't support it. But in this case, I think after we saw the racing that we see, and I'm in a unique perspective where I'm going to see some different things that maybe just not the media see, but, you know, with me working, uh, let's say the speedway, that, you know, the, the hundreds and sometimes thousands of comments that are made to the fact of short track racing after a, a Bristol, a Richmond, a, a Martinsville race, and these comments go for days and days and sometimes weeks on ends of conversations with fans across the sport and media personality and people within the sport uh, executives and track owners and all kinds of people get in on these conversations. And, you know, this has been going on for years. And as we, we saw this, you know, last year, I think last year, um, when they put the lights on at Martinsville and, um, you know, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, they got into one another. And, you know, this race finished under the lights and just people were just – the emotion that I, we haven't seen in the sport in a long time could be reinvigorated by new short tracks or return to short tracks or return to other tracks that are not your Chicago's or not your Kansas or not your Texas. Unfortunately, I hate to down on them, but it's become the same mundane racing that we see week in and week out. And uh, uh, 60% of the racetracks on their mile and a half that produce the same amount of racing and the same type of racing and the same type of winners week in and week out. Um, the fans, they're, they're making it known that they're tired and they want to see something new. And what they want to see is, is they want to see short track racing. And at this point, I have to agree with them. I will definitely agree with you too, Steve. The last great call, Sam, there's nothing like it. But uh, let me let everybody know the number to call is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain in the Pit Stop Radio, just south of the 2.66-mile monster we call Tidal Super Speedway. Stephen Wilson's right outside of Richmond Raceway up there in Commonwealth, Virginia. We're going to take a quick break. We will come back. We have driver of the number 76 Chevy Camaro in the NASCAR, the grunt-style Chevy Camaro in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. I'm getting tongue-tied, y'all. And we also have his dad, Mr. Paul Boyd. There, he's going to be joining us. We're going to have a father-son talk and see what everything's going on. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll, we'll be right back uh, from Talladega Super Speedway. I'm Timmy Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Here we come, come with me, there's a world out there that we should see, take my hand, close your eyes, with you right here, I'm rocketing,
sick. Shop the streets of Tokyo, get you black kick. Girl, you always on my mind, got my head up in the sky, and I'm never looking down, feeling priceless. Yeah, where we at, only few have known. Watch the next level, Super Mario. I hope this works out, cardio. Till then, let's fly, Geronimo. Touch the planet. You want the moon, girl? Watch me grab it. See, I ain't never seen a star this close. You got me stuck by the way you glow. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. Back live from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside of Speedway Digest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen's right outside of Richmond Raceway, and I'm uh, the way the crow flies. I'm about eight miles south of this 2.66 mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. We have our guest coming on. We've got driver the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy and the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Mr. Spencer Board, and also we have his dad. So we're going to have a dad son talk and all that. So number to call in is 215 383 3681. Let's bring them on with a bang. Uh, I'm Tim at Spain, alongside of Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Spencer Board, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing well. How about you, man? I'm doing good, brother. Thanks for taking the time to call in tonight. Uh, I know uh, we got your dad, Paul, also. Paul, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you all doing? We're doing great down here in Talladega. A little bit hot, like, you know, like it is in the south. We've got the humidity like y'all had there in, in uh, <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri out there. But, yeah, uh, Paul, I want to... I want to thank you also for coming in. We we don't really get a father-son type deal, but I know we wanted to get your Steve and I wanted to get your take also how how uh, Spencer come up through the uh, through the ranks. But uh, Spencer, uh, Spencer, you uh you made your second trip to Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, your first trip was just back spring. It was back in the spring. It was daytime. They put the PJ one down, and 
it sort of widened the groove out. Everybody run uh, run up top, run down low. I know you had a little bit of bumps and bruises there, but you still got a top 25 out of it. Can you talk a little bit about your car and how everything went, Spencer? Yeah, well, uh, you know, my first time at Bristol, we uh, fought through the attrition, finished 25th, had a solid run. Uh, we were we were pretty quick that day. Um, for us, it was just bottom feeding all day long uh, back in the daytime. So we felt like it was a good race for us, uh, one of my favorites for the year. And then uh, coming back, I was pretty excited. Uh, we brought the same car, but uh, we were just kind of off all day. You know, we, we had a solid first practice, um, looked to kind of make gains. And as the track rubbered up and the PJ1 wore off uh, and the groove moved to the top, we just were fighting it all day long. Um, unfortunately, uh, our car was just better on the bottom, but as the groove on the bottom slowed down, um, just our, our whole race pace slowed down for us. I uh, tried going to the top, and it just wasn't working. Uh, I didn't really do it in practice. So uh, first time to go run the top was in qualifying, which we could see uh, – we qualified a lot worse than, uh, than usual. So, uh, for us, Bristol was tough. You know, we got into it with the O one one there. Uh, he just kind of ran up into me going down a straightaway and, uh, tore our car up and, uh, we fought all night. But, uh, as you can see, you know, the car isn't everything. Kyle Busch was super fast Saturday night with a tore up race car. So, uh, you know, at Bristol, you can get away with that. But, uh, ultimately we ended up having some, uh, rear track bar issues there at the end of the race. And, uh, we were kind of on our own lap, so we just salvaged uh, another top 25. Uh, there's just so much that goes on at at Bristol. Uh, I really felt like we could break into the top 20 again this season and, and have a good run, but uh wasn't in the cards, and uh, that car got, got pretty tore up body-wise and all that fun stuff. But uh, we got a couple more uh, set aside and uh, got some bullets in the chamber for the rest of the season here. And Spencer, Stephen brought up a point. We were we were talking earlier. Uh, Stephen uh, went there, SpeedwayDigest.com. That was his first trip there to the last great Coliseum. He got to cover that uh, that race with SpeedwayDigest.com. It is it is unreal how fast a car gets around that half-mile track. And with the high banking there at uh, Bristol, it's a little bit steeper banking than here at my home track, Talladega. Can you talk a little bit about how – how many G-forces that you go through, and, you, you know, like Stephen mentioned, you're you're getting around that short track at about 15-some-odd tenth seconds. I mean, there's a lot of Gs, that, and you don't have time to rest because the uh, straightaways yeah. are really short, unlike uh, unlike Marvel. I mean, it's just uh, you're you're up on the wheel the, the whole time you're there, ain't you, brother? Yeah. You know, I think the most comparable track to Bristol is going to be Dover. You know, you got all that banking, but at Dover, you kind of have time to take a breath. Uh, whereas Bristol, I mean, it seems like you're just going in a circle all day long. Uh, you're constantly turning, fighting the wheel. Uh, the straightaways, uh, you know, I'm just a good old boy, man. I, I don't know what the G's are, but there's definitely a, there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure there. Um, you know, you get acclimated to it throughout the race, uh, with, throughout practice. And by the time you get to the race, you, you know, what's going on and, but the first, I'd say, five to ten laps in practice, you're like, wow, man, I need to breathe. Uh, you know, I'm just getting, uh, you know, so focused and just running your laps. And after a while, you don't realize that you're on the front stretch or the back stretch. Um, you just kind of get in a rhythm, and it's like, okay, you know, this is one one of the track, this is the other. Uh, you know, they're not identical, 
Uh, it looks like they are, but they're not exactly identical. So um, talking to the crew chief and stuff like that, you're explaining one of the racetrack versus the other, but you're getting turns one and turns three mixed up. So that can always be an issue. Uh, the spotters are so busy. You know, you're looking 10 car lengths, 10 cars ahead of you. The spotters looking farther ahead than that. Uh, you know, you can come off turn two. If they reckon turn three, you're going to struggle to get stopped in time. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's unpredictable. Uh, when, a, when a wreck happens, all the banking can force the car to the bottom or all the centrifugal force that just throw the car back up the racetrack. And uh, that's what happened to me. This car, uh, you know, wrecked off my uh, left front, clipped me going down the, into the straightaway, went into the next corner, and he came back up the racetrack and got me in the door and, ultimately uh you know hurt the rest of our day but uh there's a lot going on at bristol uh, you just got to pay attention making it through there in one piece is a significant feat i mean you see that whether it's the truck race or the cup race i mean it's a, it's a big deal there but uh to run well is important and you can take a lot of that to dover like i said you know we'll we'll probably take this car to dover later this year Good deal, Spencer. And Paul, can you talk a little bit about how it is? We've never had a father son on our on our show, but can you? I could imagine how it is uh, with you and your wife, uh, Spencer's mom, y'all sitting on the sidelines and watching from the pit box or watching from uh, from the garage area or 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 where have you? Can you talk a little bit a bit on your perspective of how of how it is watching Spencer race, and do you really get nervous at any times? Or, you know, with all the safety stuff now with uh, NASCAR, the safer walls, the Hans device, you know, Spencer's pretty much safe in that in that cocoon, what they call there. But can you talk a little bit about how it is mm-hmm. actually watching your son face in one of the top-tier series here, the NASCAR Xfinity Series? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, um, you know, my wife Bonnie and I, we, we enjoy watching Spencer run no matter what track he's at or – or what, but, um, I'll tell you, um, you know, to go to Bristol this weekend was, was really special being under the lights and all, but, uh, um, in the spring we watched from the pit box. So it was a totally different perspective. And then here in the fall or the the summer race, I should say, we, uh, we set up top and, uh, and watched the race, totally different perspective. It's way more intense than I thought it would be. And this was probably, the most intense race that we've ever watched in all the years of racing. And we really enjoyed it. I mean, I thought he did a heck of a job. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you know, it's that, that old saying, there's only 40 guys out there doing it. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it's tight when you see him middle of three, top of three, bottom of three. I mean, it's, it's exciting, you know? So, you know, to see, to see a, you know, a young driver, you know, um, learning, every week and going out there and doing, you know, the best he can and, and, uh, you know, growing and everything every week. I mean, it's really, it's really exciting, but, um, you know, Bristol is one of those things where growing up, you know, we, we played the video games, we did the, you know, night racing and all that stuff. And to actually see him out there performing, you know, I was just super proud. His mom's super proud too. And, and it was, it was, uh, it was kind of a dream come true really. And, uh, you know, it does a great job and, and uh, but we just really enjoy it, you know. And uh, as far as safety goes, I mean NASCAR's really got a handle on on all the safety safety stuff with the cars and you know safer walls and Hans device and helmets and 
fire stuff and everything. So we really, we're not really too caught up, you know, really, you know, as a parent, you're always going to worry to a degree. But when you look at, when you look at, uh, you know, all the efforts that's put into safety and everything and you appreciate it, you, you see it week in and week out, these guys, you know, having, you know, situations and everything that they, that they uh, go through and you look at the cars afterwards and, and everything. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, NASCAR has done a great job. And, you know, of course, you know, as a parent, you're always going to worry a little bit, but I'm confident in Spencer's driving ability and I've, he's shown it all year to, you know, um, you know, not get caught up in too many, you know, messes or what have you. So as a rookie season, he's doing great. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a ton of fun. So, you know, Hey, man, Paul. And, Paul, we've had Spencer on probably two or three times, and I want to thank Spencer again. Every time we've asked Spencer to come on and speak with us, he said, yes, sir, Tim, I'm down with it. I'll come on. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I I, never asked Spencer. I wanted to, since we got you on, we got the dad. At what <laughs> age did you think Spencer, or did you ask Spencer, did, is, this, is this the way you want to go with your career as far as racing or Talk a little bit about how everything went down, Paul, with you and Bonnie maybe getting him his first go-kart and all that, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, Spencer was uh, just <clears> – <throat> he wasn't even five years old yet, and he was actually on, uh, uh, you know, dirt bikes. So, you know, he had a KTM dirt bike, and he was really good. He was beating kids that were six, seven, eight, nine years old, you know, and, uh, and we had a lot of fun with that and then got him a, a go-kart. And it was a full-size go-kart, and we kind of moved everything, the steering down, the pedals back, the seat forward, and got it all, you know, configured for, for him for his size. And But he was running an unrestricted uh, um, Briggs engine at the time that an adult would drive. And and uh, we would take him, take him um, out and let him, you know, just get used to driving that, you know, to its limit of spinning out and everything. And, and then uh, um, we would take him, uh, you know, to a local track, one particular weekend and uh you know he took it out there and did uh you know, had some fun with it and the, you know the the karting club said well he's too young to race that so we said what can he race and they told us so we we kind of ordered one that day and came in Spencer helped me uh put his first go-kart together and and then uh you know we went racing locally for a couple of years and he was he showed that he really uh could get around you could he's the kind of kid that you can show him something one time tell him something one time and and he just adapts and um you know when he was that young and you know could do all that i mean i we just kind of just built on every week just kind of got better and better and and then we took it to another level you know every so often and and uh he just you put him in something faster and he, he just he went you know he did great so um you know and then we started traveling we traveled 30 weekends a year for gosh about six years or so so, you know, we had a lot of fun racing go-karts and that, and then it just escalated into, you know, legend cars and then on to uh, moving down here. And, you know, when he was, when he was, uh, I think he was 14, he told his mom and I, if I'm ever going to be able to make it in NASCAR, I'm going to have to move to Charlotte. So, you know, we took the, we took his advice and we did it. <laughs> so yeah, we always race as a family and, uh, um, you know, made a decision to, uh, you know, give them the best shot that we could, and and here we are. I mean, it's uh, you know, there's a 
a lot of things that have had to happen to get him, you know, to allow him to get to where he's at and a lot of people and situations and everything. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, we'll have to thank, but, um, you know, it all comes down to, you know, Spencer's ability to do what he does and handle all the situations and everything. And, he's, and like I said, he's done a great job and we couldn't be more proud. Amen, Paul. And, uh, I want to, I know y'all's time is limited, but I want to ask, uh, I want to ask Spencer. Yeah. Uh, did, just to add to that too, Paul, Spencer told me he does all of his social media stuff, and I keep up with it on that. And that's, I think that's a good deal for a driver to actually take care of their own social media stuff. But anyway, I want to ask Spencer one question before I throw both of you over to Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com. Spencer, we're going to Road, road America, another road course. How are you going yeah. into this weekend preparing for that one, brother? Well, uh, the road courses have been pretty good to us. You know, I grew up road course go-kart racing, so I got that part down, you know, as far as the line and, and just turning left and right, you know. I mean, it sounds uh, like it should be easier. It's totally different than what we do. Um, you know, yeah, there's some differences, but the uh, main thing is just learning these cars on road courses. You know, they're big old heavy boats. They don't want to turn. Uh, they don't want to stop. They don't want to take off. Um, it, it's a lot different than road course cars, you know, where you can get on the gas and uh, that helps the car rotate, things like that. I mean, it seems like you got a lot of horsepower, but these things are so heavy. Uh, the road course racing is, uh, has a lot to do with handling and, and just uh, getting out there and manhandling the car around. And uh, we've gotten better. You know, Watkins Glen was just kind of knocking the rust off and learning how to drive a, a full-size car on a road course sitting on the left you know i grew up racing and stuff sitting in the middle so it's little things like that that take uh getting adjusted to and mid ohio was a solid run uh, we kind of fought some brake problems and things like that but uh, we got the same car we had went through it got it prepped again and i've been on a simulator and talking to friends that have scca raced and stuff like that um just learning some characteristics of the track where some bumps are you know just kind of those warning things so you don't go out there and become a victim real early but uh just got to get out there and practice and get as many laps as we can uh mid ohio we blew up in practice so uh that was definitely a bummer but uh we got uh we got her fixed and uh my uh my dad calls it the the grunt style gladiators uh they work really hard they uh, they keep me out on the racetrack and uh they do a great job week in and week out um we've kept those mechanical failures to a minimum and you know we've uh I want to say we, we kind of have a young team when it comes to uh, all of my guys being together. Uh, a lot of them are, are new to SS Greenlight this year. So uh, the fact that everyone's getting along and working hard and pulling the rope in the same direction, uh, we're just going to finish off this season stronger than we've been all year. And looking forward to getting to Road America, turning left and right. We've got a solid star, got some experience now. So uh, looking forward to that in the road. Sounds good, Spencer. Again, thank you for taking time out to call in, and uh, good luck on the rest of your year. You've had a really good year also there for FS Greenlight Racing, and uh, Suzanne and I will be making the trek to Darlington here next week, so we'll get up with you up there. And, Paul, thank you again for calling in and sort of doing this father-son thing, but I want to hand both of y'all over to uh, Stephen Wilson. I know y'all's time is limited, but, uh, Paul, thank you very much, and thanks for that insight. I was... I'm probably going to go back and listen to that about 
about Spencer when he was growing up. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna hang y'all over to uh, Stephen Wilson Speedway Digest dot com, and I'll let I'll let him send y'all off. And like I said, Paul Spencer, thank y'all very much for taking time to call in, and we will see you both uh, not this weekend, but next weekend in Darlington. Y'all be safe this weekend. All right, Road Mark. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Y'all welcome, brother. Steve. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Let me expand across something that you just said a little bit with Tim. You said that you all were on the road for about 30 weekends a year as Spencer was growing up. This question is for either one or both of you. What do you feel that is the biggest challenge today? I know the time and effort and money are, are obvious answers to that. But what do you think is the biggest challenge to drivers today that are coming up into the sport trying to make it? Ah, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of challenges. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are racing off of an open checkbook, which is uh, great. Can't knock them for doing it, you know. But uh, they all have their place and their time. Um, but there's also, you know, a handful of guys like myself that are, uh, you know, really, uh, doing the guerrilla marketing and the hustling to make it week to week and, uh, you know, take the rides that, uh, you know, the kids with the open checkbook don't necessarily want. So, uh, you know, as a young guy, you just want to get your foot in the door. Uh, so, you know, one of those things growing up racing, uh, and winning a lot, uh, when you get to the next step got to be willing to take a ride that, you know, more than likely you're not going to win a race. You know that. Uh, I mean, there's cup cars and guys at the cup level that won Xfinity, and they know every week that they don't stand a chance at winning a cup race. So uh, I think that's probably one of the most difficult things. Uh, obviously, finding money is hard. Um, you gotta got to work hard. you got to network. you got to talk to anybody that will listen. And, uh, you know, i got a good support system from, you know, mom and dad and, you know, dad uh, working hard to connect me with uh, you know, people. I mean, we, we look back all the time and go, hey, if it wasn't for that guy or it wasn't for that group of people or, man, that one lunch changed a lot of things. <laughs> um, you start looking at that and you're like, man, you know, things, uh, all these dominoes seem to be falling our way, which is uh, definitely good motivation and it, it keeps you keeps your head down, keeps you digging. Um, but, you know, you also uh, – like you said, racing 30 weeks, you know, after a while, not winning gets old. So uh, sometimes you got to sit back and, uh, you know, realize what you're doing, what the goal is, uh, know what the major goal is. And then uh, sometimes you got to swallow that pride and just keep uh, keep rolling with it. And that's, uh, you know, what a lot of drivers in my position, you know, we will become somewhat friends. Uh, try not to become too good of friends because uh, I'll wreck anyone for the win. I really don't care. But, uh um, when it comes to that time, but, uh, right now, you know, most of us, uh, that's the thing, you know, we've all grown up winning and then, uh, you get to a point where it becomes even tougher to win. That gets frustrating, but, uh, everyone's working hard. Uh, things are looking good in my future. A lot of people in my corner are working hard. So, uh, you know, those challenges, uh, become reality and later become accomplishments. This past weekend at Bristol, in the Xfinity Series race, um, just as we saw it during Saturday night, Kyle Busch pretty much should do anything with the race car they want to do with it in Saturday night. He came from multiple laps down. 
when he wrecked out of the Xfinity Series race on on Friday night, how much of that changes the game plan? Because you obviously, I'm sure you and everybody else that went out there and were watching him do what he was doing before he wrecked. It, it was it, everybody had to know that they had no chance unless he blew up a wreck and he wrecked. So how much of that changes the way that your night goes, and how much do you change? strategy in a night where there's an obvious winner like that. Yeah, well, uh, when Kyle Busch is in the race, you know he uh, stands a, a chance to win all of them, and uh, there's a reason why he has you know, over 100 wins across all three platforms and things like that. So uh, for a guy like me, uh, whoever wins the race really doesn't um, you know, change too much. Obviously, we knew the race pace for Bristol was fast. Uh, we were going laps down quicker than we wanted, quicker than, uh, you know, we kind of had in our team meeting before the race. Uh, as a small team, we kind of know what to expect, where we want to be, set our own goals. Um, so when he's uh, hauling the mail like that, you're like, okay, you know, uh, this really isn't going as planned. Uh, you can't let it get you down in the car. You know, when you when you go two laps down and 40 laps, it's like, well, what's going on? But uh, when he's clicking off, qualifying laps on 25 lap tires yeah he's just a kind of does incredible things but if it wasn't for him there'd be someone else doing it uh those cars are fast uh they're fast when anyone drives them you know larson was fast all night he didn't have what kyle bush had but um you know for us uh main thing is uh you want to see some cautions you want some restarts uh you know guys like us can get aggressive go pick up five spots lose three of them over a run, you got a net gain of two, you know, you do that four or five times throughout the night, you move forward. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what we've been doing all year long, you know, get what you can get. But when you see someone dominate like that, uh, you hate to see something happen too, you know. I mean, I grew up a Kyle Busch fan. You don't want to see uh, anyone mow the wall down, and you don't want to see a guy like that who has a dominating car and teams working hard, you know, uh, we're all out there racing and we want to win, but you also got to respect the fact that these guys built the incredible piece, but uh, there's a fine line there. And uh, obviously they wore the right front out and Kyle Busch didn't just run into the wall, you know, he blew a tire. And, uh, but you know, when it comes to camber and car setup, you can only be so aggressive. So, uh, and it comes into play, you know, it was one more point for us. Every point matters. So uh, whether we pass them or they wreck, you know, we just need points. We got to move forward and uh, and keep digging throughout the season. And uh, it's one of those things. Coming up around America this weekend. Last year, Jeremy Clements won this, and obviously, he's probably a team that's on par with where an SS Greenlight Racing is. There, he he again is not the most funded team, um, but you know he he puts on pretty decent performances just like you guys do. How much of that plays into where you have a, a race this weekend that somebody won on, on your on your playing field versus a, a JGR or JRM or something like that? And how much do you reach out to those other teams to try and figure out what you can do to be there like like a Jeremy Clements was last year? Yeah, I, uh, I knew that I had this deal coming this year uh, at that point in time. So I was actually uh, spotting with uh, SS Greenlight at uh, Root America last year. So uh, I saw Clemens win that race. Um, 
he's a solid guy, you know, solid cars. Uh, he's been doing this a long time, got a lot of experience. So when you see a smaller team get a win and it not be a speedway, uh, that's always exciting. You know, there's a lot of money that goes into these road course cars, you know. Um, you can definitely get a competitive edge. It's, you know, good gears, um, good transmissions, uh, you know, just you name it. You got to have tires. You got to have a car that can last. So, uh, you know, when you see a small team go up there and, you know, he knocked Matt Tiff right out of there and, and got the win and he was aggressive, hungry, saw his opportunity. So that's exciting for guys in my position. But there's probably 10 of ten of those guys in my position that, that want the same thing to happen to them. And uh, those are few and far between. So uh, you just got to stay consistent, get up there. Um, but we got a solid car. Uh, we're going to take what we can get. Um, you definitely, uh, you know, a guy in my position, you as a rookie with NASCAR watching, other teams watching, you got to finish races. Um, you got to drive smart. You know, getting that extra spot or two, being over aggressive, isn't necessarily uh, what people want to see. So, uh, driving level-headed is uh, pays off. It's been off for us quite a few times this year, but I'm excited. You know, we're going to be uh, consciously aggressive here at uh, Road America and the Roval. I see them as two places we can go click off. You know, a top 20, or at least keep our top 25 streak going. So I feel like uh, we got a good piece. Guys at SS Greenlight Racing are working really hard. And, uh, you know, season's coming to an end. So uh, time to go get some points and, uh, you know, get after it a little bit more. Spencer, I think I appreciate your time to come on here tonight. Going to let the, the rest of the 2018 campaign. But before we let you get out of here, let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media and any of your sponsors as well as your dad. If he wants to thank somebody out there that's helped get you guys to where you are today yeah well uh you know really excited for the rest of the season appreciate you guys uh covering my favorite sport and giving me the opportunity to come on here and tune in this weekend i'll be driving number 76 grand style chevy camaro uh be sure and follow me on twitter at spencer boyd instagram at spencer boyd pr facebook spencer boyd racing so uh check us out there love to chat with the fans uh, you know, I promote American Made and Veteran Owned. We're number 76 for 1776. So uh, if you're driving retired and you're looking for one, chances are I'm your guy. Thanks a lot, Spencer. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Spencer. Paul, you got any last thoughts before we let you jump out of here, brother? Uh, <clears throat> no, I, I appreciate you having Spencer on and, uh, you know, checking in with them, with them from time to time and everything, and uh, we enjoy your show. So thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Paul. And uh, are you going back to I'm – sure, I'm sure you're going to make the trek over to uh, Darlington next weekend, right? I will definitely be there. <laughs> yeah, brother. yeah, we've got, uh, we got a really cool car. we got a really cool uh, throwback. Bobby Daughter. Uh, his dad actually ran the number 76, so uh, check us out on uh, social media. We got that car going around. The fans asked for it, so uh, pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys uh, later. Uh, we'll see you guys there. CN4, y'all. Thanks again for taking time out to come on the pit stop with Tim and Stephen Wilson. Like you said, we will see y'all in Darlington. Safe travels this weekend to Road America, guys. And uh, 
We're going to do a live radio show from Darlington also, so maybe we can catch up with you, Paul, Spencer, whoever, crew guys there, crew chief Jason. Maybe we can get some interviews with y'all. Sounds good. Sounds good. See you, man. All right. Thank y'all. See you, brother. Thank you. Stephen, that was Paul Boyd, Spencer Boyd there. That's the first time we've had a father-son duo go on there. And, uh, you know, uh, just to talk a little bit about uh, Spencer, uh, he's he's doing the, uh, like just like he mentioned, grunt style is American-made, American this and that. But uh, uh, we got our other guest. I want to bring on my good friend, Stephen. I've got my good friend, and I love this man right here. He is one hell of a guy. He is down in the trenches. He drives the hauler for JD Motorsports. I want to bring on my good friend, Mr. Scott Rivas. Let me find a song to bring him on with. Here we go, right here. Thanks, Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Scott Ravens, hauler, transport driver there for J.D. Motorsports. How you doing tonight, bro? It's another day in paradise, my friend. I heard that, brother. I heard that. Uh, you getting some rest? Because I know, you know, you got to head up to, uh, where y'all going? Y'all going, y'all going to Road America, aren't you? We are going to Road America. I actually just left the shop when I called in. Oh, okay. I'm going so home you want to run? Get my stuff together. No, nah, I'm not on the road yet. I'll leave tomorrow morning. Exactly. How far a drive is that for you, Scott? That's a pretty good little trick, ain't it, bro? It's about GPS says 16 hours, but if you add the mountains and the fuel and you get something neat, you're looking at about 18 hour ride. So I'll drive tomorrow. I'm gonna try. No, it's just me this weekend, so I'm going to try leave tomorrow, try to get just south of Chicago, take my nap, and then uh, wake up and ride the rest of the way in. Well, just let me know when you need me. i got my Class A's. I'll come join you and help you out, bro. I need, I need you now. We're looking for a full-time driver right now. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm going to hand you over to Suzanne. I'll be, I, 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 am, I am leaving Talladega headed to... Here to help Scott. What else, Scott? Thank you very much, brother. I know your uh, time is limited also, but thank you very much for coming on. And uh, I know Stephen has a couple of questions, and I want to thank you for coming on the show again tonight like you have always before. Uh, thank you for supporting everything that we do, and we try to we try to support all the uh, – everybody at J.D. Motorsports, uh, Stephen and I, we, we try to get out all the writings that we can for uh, Smithley and Chastain and Miller and all that, but uh, – Scott, uh, I want to talk to you. I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, I've I've been watching your what you call loading. Uh, you load into these uh, tracks and uh, you do Facebook Live. 
you've got your phone up in the window. And Bristol Motor Speedway, I watched your watched your load in there. Can you let can you let our listeners know exactly how that's pretty treacherous loading coming in off yep. of turn three coming across the track with that with that steep bank and how y'all had to come in. Can you talk a little bit about how you know like just like you mentioned on your load in the other day, you were trying to keep your ass in the seat because uh, <laughs> you were sliding no. Let everybody know how that is there, bud. Going across there, you go underneath the, there's not really a tunnel, you go underneath the stands, and, you know, then you're at, it's kind of like being on a roller coaster when you you climbed all the way up that hill, and that first car goes over, you just kind of stall, and you look down, and you're like, oh, hell. And you just kind of put it in low gear and, and let her eat, and you get down to the, and you, I mean, I, I was literally with one leg kind of standing up, because, I mean, that's how far, if not, I'm going to be in the windshield. And uh, when you get to the bottom, you make that left-hand turn. I remember my rookie season years ago, they told me, said, don't look in the mirror. And I'm like, well, why not look in the mirror? They're like, just don't look in the mirror. It'll freak you out. Of course you look in the mirror. And uh, and I look at it every time. And I look, this time I took the left-hand turn at the bottom of the hill of the wall, and my both my left rear tandems are up in the air. And uh, I mean, just to see that, it's just as a truck driver, it's a scary sight. I mean, you're realizing that that kingpin that's on that trailer is holding every bit of that weight, and I, it, the fact that none of them snap to me is just an amazement of the engineering of the trucks and the trailers. But uh, it's it's something. That, it's the best thing I can say is kind of like a roller coaster, and it is. And getting out the same way. Um, I, I meant to go live the other night, but I was so tired and sweaty and just wanted to go home, and uh came around the backside and I was in about third gear and I just punched and took a right hand turn and just jumped my way out. Hey <laughs> man, brother. And Scott, you mentioned on some of your load ins is like what y'all call it, you know, you and some of the other hauler drivers also call it like a like a load in to whatever track that y'all are going to. And you get in there and you set the grill up, you sort of cook stuff and uh are you the official cook for JD Motorsports, or do y'all have two or three guys that actually cook on the? And sort of let everybody, sort of our listeners know that uh, don't they actually get to go down into the pit and garage area like Suzanne and I, Stephen and his wife, we get to go down and see the the grills and everything that everything that goes on. But uh, are you the sole cook for JD Motorsports? Do y'all have two or three? No, if we cook, it's just it's just me. Um, a lot of times our PR people talk to local restaurants in town and try and get it catered because, I mean, if it's free, obviously it's a better deal. <laughs> but uh, through my years, I've learned how to budget and have good meals for the guys and not spend a fortune. Um, now, you'll see some teams out there eating steak and lobster from time to time, and I try to – that's just – I don't know. I don't want that at a racetrack. Who wants I, seafood to me at a racetrack? Just doesn't sound good. So, like this weekend, I cooked. Uh, we had brats and French fries on uh, Thursday. What the heck did I cook on Friday? Uh, <laughs> oh, I did barbecue grilled chicken, some macaroni and cheese, uh, some corn. Um, there's really nothing that we can't cook on a grill. And uh, you name it, we probably have made it. Uh, I look forward to when it gets a little bit cooler, and 
I can start making chicken and dumplings and stuff like that. The guys like that a lot. Um, but this the brats. It's the first time I've made brats this year, and I made about 60 of them. Now, we've got about 30 people we travel with, and they were gone within an hour. So now I kind of know what they want to eat for lunch. Did you soak the brats in some type of beer? I I think I tried it one time, and I might not have got it right or something, Scott, but I've heard some people say soak the brats in beer or something, then put them on grill. I don't know. Yeah, you can soak it. you got to have it up to temperature. Uh, I'm not boiling, but almost boiling, and then cut up an onion and put it in there and just let them soak for a while because brats take a good 20, 30 minutes to cook anyway. And... uh if you do it that way, you let it sit in the beer and the onions, and then you put it on the grill for about five minutes, and then you get that skin where you get that pop, and then they're good to go. And to me, a lot of the time, it's the kind of beer you use. Um, I, I didn't use any beer this weekend just because I bought the Johnsonville beer brought, so they'd already been soaked. But normally, a lot of times, guys will use like Bud Light or something. I, I've used Guinness before, and I thought it tasted that. And, and I don't like Guinness beer, but for a brat, it tasted really good. <laughs> and uh Scott, just to talk a little bit about grilling. Uh, you know, like I said, you took a lot of stuff there and you mentioned that that brat there come already soaked in beer and which uh let everybody know, uh you probably seen on Facebook, Scott, uh I got baptized this past Sunday and which I've been off the beer since I had my hip replacement back October thirty first last year, Halloween. But is there anything that you can soak a brat in? Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Just trying to talk about brats. I'm pretty sure. Steve is a big barbecuer, too. I'm I'm really not that big barbecuer. But can you soak it in, like, some mores or anything like that? Or have you tried something like that with a brat? I've never tried it. Um, if it's the beer thing... Because I'm not a big drinker either. I, I did. I got that all out of me in college. I've had a fight with Jim, Jose, Jack, all those guys, and they ganged up even on me and kicked my butt in college. Uh, hey, I don't. I don't play with it anymore, and uh, I just don't have a taste for beer anymore. But as far as you know, cooking it in beer, you're cooking off all the alcohol anyway. It's just a beer taste. But um, I don't know. I've never. I've thought about doing it with like Coke, just to see what it tastes like, and. Uh, and stuff like that, but I've, I've never, it's one of the things I want to try at home before I try it on the guys, because you cook something they don't eat, and then they're going to be grumpy all day, and they're going to hate you for the next week. <laughs> There's right, nothing bro. worse than a bunch of <laughs> angry guys on the pit crew. That's right, because wherever you hungry, you're hungry. I'm the same gum way here. But, Scott, I want to thank you for taking time to call in. Before we hand you over to Stephen Wilson's BeWithDigest.com, uh, making a trek to Darlington. Uh, the throwback deal there. Uh, yep. Everybody know that's going to be a – is there going to be a hauler parade going into Kerry uh, Tharp's track there at Darlington? And it's Labor Day weekend, brother. I mean, you know, and talking about grilling, Labor Day weekend is all about grilling. But just mm-hmm. let everyone know exactly how much goes into from whenever you – I don't know if we've talked about it before when we've had you on, but whenever you get the cars, your primary car, your backup cars, and whenever you get them in, into the hauler and you head out, 
especially to dogs and race. We're not talking about the past, you know, going up to Road America. You've got to do all that also. But when you go to Darlington and uh, Terry Tharp's track there, throwback weekend, is there a special paint scheme that Ross is going to run on his car for, you know, just like it's always been known as the, as the throwback NASCAR weekend? Can you let us know anything about like that or do we have to watch the press releases on it? You know what? I ain't got the first clue. But nobody said it. Now, we got one of our tire guys is really, 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 really good at rendering, uh, you know, different paint schemes. And he's come up. Now, I don't know if we're doing this. I know he showed it to Johnny. But there were four different paint schemes that James Hilton ran. And James and Johnny were best friends. You know, James died a couple of months ago coming back from Daytona. Talladega. Uh, yeah, you're right, Talladega. And um, I thought it'd be really cool because he did four different paint schemes to run all four of our cars in the James Hilton paint scheme. Um, whether we're doing that or not, I have not been told. Now there's some other big news that's going to come out here for too long that I cannot say, but it is huge. And uh, we just found out about it today, and uh, it's going to turn some heads. And uh, it's it's really good stuff for Ross. Stephen, we got to stay on top of this with uh, Scott Rivas, and maybe we'll be the first one to post it. I hope so. <laughs> Scott, I'll find out. I'll find out when they're going to announce it, and then uh, if we can get it as close to when we announce it, I'll come on and we'll we'll let it, we'll see what's going on. That sounds good, brother. And again, I want to thank you for taking time out beforehand. You over to Stephen Wilson, Speedway Digest dot com. Thank you very much, Scott. Be safe this weekend going to Road America. And I and Suzanne and I and Stephen and his wife, Anne-Marie, we will see you at the great throwback in Darlington Raceway. Not this weekend, but next week. Come on, Scott, Thank Please you very much. Barbecue. Yes, sir. All right, Stephen, you heard that. You heard that, Stephen. We got, we got some barbecue coming up from J.D. From Motorsports. Scott, thank you very much. I'm going to throw you over to SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Woods. No, buddy. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Ever. Um, I, I, I don't have, I don't have much tonight. Um, <laughs> I, I think y'all have done pretty much gone over everything that I can think of, and uh, uh, I don't know, Tim. I'll let you go. I, I'll let you finish this one up, um, because I, I'm drawing a blank right at this moment. Thanks, brother. And Scott, just to let just to let you know, Stephen's having a little bit of back issues there. So, uh, and he uh, texted me him and me to sort of happen tonight. And I said, uh, Stephen, I ain't the smart, I ain't the brightest crayon in the box, but I try, I, try, I do what I can. But Scott, uh, thank you, again. thank you again for coming on. Let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media, and anything you want to throw out about people that has helped you get where you're at. Uh, I know. Johnny Davis is a big inspiration to you, but uh, just talk a little bit about that, and uh, we'll, let you, we'll, we'll let you jump out of here, bro. I'm just going to catch me on Facebook and watch the Facebook live videos and just look up Scott Revis. You can't miss me. I look like Santa Claus with a RE headset on. Um, shoot me a friend request and uh, just say pit stop on it. That way I know you're not some crazy person out in Russia trying to hack my account. And then on Twitter, I'm at 
what am I? S Revis five one seven. I don't do a lot of Twitter. I'm pretty bad at that. And then uh, you know, just the people that get us down the road, Flex Seal, JES Trucking, Sun Drop, Canada Dry, and uh, hopefully have some more people come on board when this chase thing starts. It's pretty much our spot to lose at this point. And uh, you know, I said I can't say enough about Mr. Johnny Davis. He is he is one of the greatest people in racing that I know. And I I probably never told him that. He'd probably slap me if I did and tell me I was full of crap. But, you know, he's a good man, and he's a good good employer, and he takes care of his people. And uh, I can't ask for more than that. Hey, man, Scott. I'll get with you in Darlington. Uh, Suzanne and I and Stephen and I, we might want to put something on the B poster. I'll talk with you, and I'll let you handle that with uh, your associates, if you want if, if I, I can, can say it like we, that. We can make, yeah, we can make that happen. All right, brother. I've got uh, I've got my uh, PDF of my uh, pitch stop logo, and I've got Stevens' PDF. And uh, we might we might try to get together and put something on the B post if it's okay with you, bro. That's all fine with me. Now, am I correct? And you said you got your CDL now. I've had my CDL, brother. Yes, sir. I've had my Class A's 20 years now, but I don't have my medical card at Coosa Valley Electric right now because uh, I had some high blood pressure with them. They took me off the, the DOT drug test, So, but I do have my Class A's. All i got to do is get my medical card, and that ain't going to take but, but just a second. So we, well, I, I may need a cut of time right away back from Vegas. Hey, brother, you let me know. I got plenty of vacation time. I'll get my medical card. I'll definitely help you, man. All right, I'm afraid. I'll, I'll talk to the boss, man. All right, let, let me know, brother. And, Scott, y'all be safe going up the road, America. And, like I said, Stephen and I and Susan and I, we will see you in Darlington in the next couple of weeks. I'll be there. Again. All right, brother. Thank you very much for taking time to call in. We appreciate safe travels, my friend. All right, brother. Y'all be good. All right, you too, brother. Scott Revis there, Stephen Wilson, uh, J.D. Motorsports. Uh, looks like I might have to run some solo or help him drive the car out to Vegas. That'd be awesome. i got plenty of vacation time to take out. But anyway, Stephen, uh, coming up here, we we don't we don't got much longer left. But uh, I know you and I mentioned about bringing up the topic about Kyle Busch. Uh, and it's been, you know, the media's beating this in the ground like I knew they would. Uh, not, not really beating it in the ground, but I mean, you know, Kyle Busch come out of the, uh, come out of Bristol Motor Speedway. He was on his golf cart. Come up, got out of his golf cart, signing some, signing some autographs for some of the young kids there. And you got this dumbass drunk fan that wants to start something with him, and. Yes, that's right, listeners. I said dumbass drunk fan because all of you listeners are calling for y'all want more media access to the drivers. Well, if you keep acting like you're going to act, you're not going to get it. I have a total respect for Kyle Busch. Uh, I have been privileged to ask him a couple of questions in the media center, especially in Atlanta, uh, via Mr. Kerry Tharp before he took the job at uh Darlington Raceway, and Stephen, I don't know what to say. 
I mean, you know, it's a disgrace to Kyle Bush. Like I said, I'm not a Kyle Bush fan, but I respect him for what he does. And NASCAR and the fans say they want closer access to the drivers. Well, if this is going to continue like that, Stephen, we can't. We can't let this happen, brother. I just want to get your take on that. Uh, I'm sorry I blowed it like I did, but uh, it's just a, I don't know. It's a, da- it's a damn disgrace to Kyle Busch and to the sport of NASCAR. Um, yeah, you know, fans, I mean, we, we had this last year at, um, Martinsville were certain very similar incident with Denny Hamlin where fans tried to, to fight him there um, and you know I know there's a lot of emotions and a lot of things that go on and you know I'm happy to see fans that are engaged into the sport and, you know in, in the levels and the capacities that they do um, you know however um you know, no no fan has the right to go and put their hands on, you know, a driver that's out there, um, you know, running, you know, you know, running uh, races and, um, you know, doing what they need to do. I I, I just think that, um, honestly, I just think that, you know, if you're going to do that, you probably should just walk away because, A, it's not going to end good for you, and, B, um, you know, you're 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 going to not be able to come back to racetracks anymore. And, you know, as a fan or whoever it is, to not be allowed to come back to places, um, you know, that's, you know, that, that's, that's not productive in any means, you know. Sure, people sit and shout profanities or, you know, use soccer bow at somebody. And, um, you know, honestly, I think those are all fairly acceptable ways to, you know, uh, as a fan engaged into the sport, um, to show your emotions. But to physically assault somebody um, has really just no sense. There's there's no productive uh, end to that, to be honest. And, um, you know, the thing... I mean, the the police were on top of this. They separated this thing pretty quickly, and it was, um, you know, sure it's uh, you know, it's all over social media. But you know, Kyle Busch composed himself as well as anybody could. Uh, as a professional athlete, he did. Um, you know, he did. He was out there doing his job, um, and you know, he he even after a long struggle of a night. He was able to compose himself, and even though the fan got in his face, um, didn't react in the manner that you know the fan was probably hoping that he would react in, um, and that shows honestly a lot about him and his integrity to to be able to go and do that. Because um, we have seen sports athletes over the years assault fans who you know are seeking autographs or you know, boo in their face or whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, it took a lot of restraint for him after a night like Bristol. Uh, well, two nights like Bristol, to be honest, that, um, you know, he didn't 
he he didn't um you know do something that you know he shouldn't have done. That's right, Stephen. And just to sort of touch on what you know I had brought up before I forced that question to you. A lot of the fans, you know, I listen to a lot of Sirius XM NASCAR radio, and uh, they want to. Their gripe is they want to get a closer view or closer interactive with the drivers. And Stephen, there is no sport, no professional sport. Uh, you take Major League Baseball, NFL football, college football. There's no sport that already gives that fan an access to that driver, especially at Brewster Motors, because the driver's lot is outside of the track. And all these fans line up there. They come out. And then to do what they did to Kyle Bush, Kyle Bush stopped signing some autographs, and then some drunk ass comes up there and tries to start something. I don't think NASCAR is going to make it any more credible for the fans to get any more closer than what they are. And they're going to keep on. And that one bad apple in the apple cart is going to run the whole cart for them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things that if it continues to happen, yeah, I, I can perceive that there'll be some, some movement in the direction of limiting, uh, either further, further limiting of access. Um, we're, we're trying to get back to a point where we were years ago with, with the access and we're, we've got pretty decent, we've gotten it pretty decently there. Um, but you know, if, if it, if it becomes an issue and it stays an issue and it's a reoccurring issue, I can foresee not only the tracks, but NASCAR itself, um, closing down some of these, you know, ways of access or, you know, go back to, um, organized access. Um, instead of the raw access we get today. Go ahead and sign off. Uh, I know you've had a long day. I've had a long day also. I want to thank uh, Spencer Boyd, driver the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and ask her Xfinity here for coming on. I want to thank his dad, Paul Boyd, for coming on and giving us sort of an insight about how uh, him and his wife, uh, Bonnie, brought uh, Spencer up through the ranks and where he got to now. And uh, I want to thank Scott Ravis, uh, Hall Driver for JD Motorsports, for coming on. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about your trip this past weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, the last great Coliseum. And to let everyone know, uh, tomorrow, not tomorrow, next Tuesday evening, uh, Tuesday the 28th, uh, we will have uh, President of uh, Darlington Raceway, Mr. Kerry Thart, will be joining us. And, Stephen, just to let you know, since you missed out on uh, Roger Haynes, the driver of the uh, John Ray trucking uh, rig here at Tyler Super, Super Speedway with the um, uh, American flag, he might be joining us. Uh, I will let you know about that. But, uh, anyway, next week, 
Stephen and I, Emory and I, and Suzanne will be headed to Darlington Raceway. I had to pause on that, brother. But anyway, Stephen, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media. You want to start, brother? You got the floor. You follow me at Speedway Digest on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Uh, we don't have anybody going to the races this week, but yeah, we'll all be in Darlington next week. That's right, brother. Can't wait for the official throwback weekend there at Kerry Thorpe's track, Darlington Raceway. And like I said, we got Kerry coming on next Tuesday night at 7.40 Eastern, 7.30 Eastern, I can't remember, but uh, Dennis confirmed that. But anyway, uh, Stephen, thank you very much. I want to thank again. I want to thank uh, uh, you. I want to thank uh, – I'm getting tongue-tied. I got too much going on. <laughs> thank Spencer Boyd and Paul Boyd for taking their time to come out. We're going to get going to get through that. I think we're going to do a live show from Darlington Raceway, too. So uh, y'all tune in and uh, – uh, I'm I'm Timothy Spine. You can follow me uh, at Tiddy Lyman on Twitter. Uh, the dot net. Want to thank Stephen there for hosting my website. And uh, Stephen, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for everything you do for the sport. Thank you for helping us. And we will see you next Tuesday night again. I'm Timothy Spine live from Talladega Super Speedway. And Stephen Woodson, live from right outside of the Richmond Raceway. We will talk to you next Tuesday night. And like I said every week, see ya. Here we come. Come with me. There's a
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.